You are listening to the Painted Goddess Podcast, episode number six. Hello, welcome to the podcast today. I'm your host, Jennifer Hershu, the Painted Goddess Podcast, and the founder of Painted Goddess as well. Uh, I am a creative, I'm a witch. Um, and I make magical spaces for healing and self-reflection, both in person and online. And I use my tools as a circle leader, witch, astrologer, tarot reader, and herbalist. I basically use my witchy ways for self-care and healing and consider myself quite an advocate for that as well. This comes from a long life of not caring for myself and not healing some of the things um, that continue to give me pause in my life, that I feel rage over, that I basically have been working on. And I want to say a little bit about this at the top of this episode, just because, you know, something came into my atmosphere, uh, you know, recently, and it really resonated, which is that Self-care can become, or self-help, I suppose, is a better way to say this. Self-help and self-growth can become something of an addiction, something of uh, this ego-driven space. And so, yeah, I guess I just wanted to illuminate that for myself and speak that into being here on this podcast, that there's nothing wrong with us. Everything is as it should be. And the belief that I have around that is so solid. So I'm always continuing to understand how, how that plays out. Does that create uh, isolation for me when I'm in a time when I need to rest and take time for myself it, Does it become kind of like this story of mine, right? And making sure that I'm showing up in a way that I still feel is aligned with who I want to be in the world. And I don't just want to be somebody who's constantly working on themselves and presenting my stories of victimization and of, of trouble or lack. What I intend to do and what I'm speaking into being at each time I go live on my Facebook group, every time I make an Instagram post every time I speak to my friends, my family, my husband, my kids, you know, my, the, the women I lead in circle, those that hire me to do a reading, I'm constantly trying to bring that back to the focus, this sense that we are perfect in our way along this journey that we are on in life. And if you find yourself seeking knowledge and you find yourself seeking a higher vibration that you want to show up as in the world and begin to really transform the way that your relationships with yourself and others, you know, uh, and how the universe responds to you, right? This, This relationship we have with everything, including that starts with ourselves and reverberates out into the, to the universe that there's a higher vibe around uh, spiritual growth and um, learning and teaching 
and support and being there that that I aspire to as as a witch and as a person a human being and you know um there's this sense that being a human is an act of choice you get to decide how human you want to be and I love this teaching that it's a sense that you know you can decide to be an ostrich or you can use a lot of metaphors for this you can decide to shut down and sometimes that does feel like self-care but how long do we shut down for and and block our access to our to our healing that actually lives within our bodies you know the vibration and knowledge and wisdom of our heart and our soul and our spirit our energy and how we manage it right how we give access to our true selves to others and whether that's a feeling of sacrifice or if it's an act of service that begins with service to ourselves right it's the whole putting on your oxygen mask first filling your cup first making sure you have your whole self with you when you are coming to the aid of others or are called to serve in some way in your community So all these tools, these self-care tools, these self-growth, the spiritual pieces, all of the the readings to kind of get to the root, the journaling, the the tracking the moon cycles, and um, all of the data that we collect around our lives when we're in this uh, spiritual awakening, wherever we are in that process, becomes a tool you know, in our tool bag as we go into the world and then we have access to that more and more as we practice becoming heart-centered. We practice compassion, we practice kindness, and we include ourselves in that kindness and that compassion, right? So you'll hear me, a lot of my teachings come from, a lot of my teachers are Buddhist teachers, a lot of my teachers are witches, a lot of my teachers are astrologers, Uh, spiritual gurus, people who are uh, really, you know, kind of riffing on all of the ways that we as humans um, can actually create our reality that starts in our minds, right? So there's these beliefs that cause us to create certain lives. We believe that, you know, like for me, I believed that um, owning a home would would serve me and so we own a home in that way you know all the things that you've drawn into your life and called for into your life um at one point were something we hoped for right this this sense that the present moment is what we have to work with and we can find gratitude wherever we look and we can also find you know our victimhood and our wounds and our pain and that there must be, I think, balance between those two pieces in order for us to fully live as human beings and to serve each other, right? We can't ignore either of those things or we're doing a disservice, right? Which is why it's, it's, it's so easy to pluck a piece out and say, oh, that person is this, you know? It's so easy to pluck something negative out of, out of you know, a moment you spend with a person and kind of believe that that's who they are. But I would like to, you know, just offer that just like you, you are not just one piece plucked out of yourself in a moment when maybe you didn't have 
all your wits with you, right? You didn't have yourself heart-centered and compassion. You were, you know, railing on a wound and being triggered by something. And that can be a teaching moment for you, can be a teaching moment for others, right? Because we're mirroring um, each other's wounds in some relationships very intensely. So uh, a lot of that speak also comes from um, a great teacher of mine is just transpersonal psychology. So a lot of teachers that um, teach this kind of psychology are noticing that, you know, we walk along edges and the edges are where we find uh, where we need to be soft, right? How much can we soften our edges in order to kind of meld with our true self and, and to integrate um, you know, healing isn't exactly like tossing it to the fire on a full moon and saying, I'm done with this. That's not how exactly healing works that I've witnessed. You know, it's more of a long game. <laughs> There's more of a, yeah, I did the ceremony. Yeah, I did the renunciation. I did the, I did the work. I went to the forest, I, you know, um, and I integrated those shadow parts of myself, giving gratitude for what they taught me and allowing my strength to show up as the first, uh, you know, the, at the, as the gatekeeper, you know, and, and that, and that who answers the door, you know, uh, in this, um, in this way is a really interesting, um, way to look at your parts of yourself. You know, who do you allow to answer the door when something comes to call? So with that in mind, I wanted to read to you a poem by Rumi. It's called The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight, the dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Rumi is rich with teachings, and if you have not uh, ventured down that rabbit hole, I highly recommend it. So much goodness coming from um, this ancient teacher, uh, Sufi wisdom. Okay, so on to today's podcast. Um, I wanted to, you know, every week I kind of look at what's going on in the stars, what's going on with astrology. As an astrologer, I find this like endlessly fascinating. And so hopefully that's why you're here. Um, and I also want it to be not just for someone who is an astrology buff, but somebody I want to make it available, make it um, really accessible and um, and make it seem as though it is applicable to real life because here's the way that I see astrology it is a tool it's a tool for evolution just like any spiritual practice just like any kind of teaching that you might find in a textbook from an authority you believe 
to be worthy of your brain space. I think that the archetypes in the stars, while they are, you know, in some circles considered bullshit or uh, ancient, unoutdated wisdom, you know, I just actually went and looked because um, Neil deGrasse Tyson is someone that I respect very much as an astrophysicist and thinker. I think he's got a real pulse on where we are in humanity's journey. Um, he's a very realist. So my, my, my whole being really loves his way of, of feeling like magic is, or science is magical and that you don't really have to look beyond, you know, that science to find, you know, something to, you know, it's mystical. It's a, you know, we live within the mystical times of spiraling through the universe around spinning around a star that is fiery hot and providing us with nourishing light um, for plants to grow and all sorts. I mean, we're, we're in it, right? We don't live in a, in a black hole. We don't live in a vacuum. And, and he thinks that astrology is just hoo-ha, right? Uh, I watched a little video of him with Joe Rogan, who does a podcast that I've listened to occasionally. And I, you know, I tend to think it's easy to dismiss astrology in this way where, well, you can't prove that it's right. Okay, but just as I consider any religion, you can't prove any of it is right. You know, I'm pretty agnostic about everything. It kept me curious in my life. I think that it's been a tool for me. I, I kind of think I came out this way. I came into the world this way um, with, a, with a healthy dose of skepticism. And um, so my concern chiefly is what is useful? You know, what is useful? And so to me, astrology is very useful because it is a way to keep time and understand energetically uh, what defines us as a collective. And even still, there are definitely naysayers and haters that are like, whatever, it means nothing. The application of it does not have to be um, something that dictates your life, you know, astrological natal charts do not dictate who you are, but it is an interesting way to track cycles in our lives and understand how we do go through cycles. And there are patterns that align within astrological traditions that still resonate today. Things like Saturn returns, you know, between the ages of 27 and 30, there is no doubt that we go through something, that we become adults in that time differently than we became adults at uh, 24 and 18 and all these other ages, you know, and I've become quite fond of tracking Jupiter's cycle because it's a 12 year cycle. And when you think about your life, in, in chunks of time with the number 12, which by numerology, one plus two is three. So there's this divinity there where when you're 12, you're going through, you know, adolescent change. You're finally kind of maybe through the turbulent beginnings of it and have, have you know, women have started to bleed. Girls have started to bleed rather. Boys are surging with testosterone. Your whole hormonal balance is shifted. 
And, you know, Jupiter's the planet of growth. So if you look at those intervals of time in 12 years, 24, 36, 48, and 60, you're going to find a growth pattern. And when you look at your natal chart and kind of track that, there's this feeling that I, re I received this feeling of, um, you know, a mirroring, like a reflection. And it spoke to me in such a deep way that, you know, I always look at that when I'm looking at people's charts. But today I want to talk about some of the other outer planets as well. And, you know, on uh, Wednesday, April 24th, um, which is the day this podcast um, gets published, Pluto goes retrograde. Now, you've all heard of Mercury retrogrades for sure. It's in the ether. Everyone's talking about it, fearing it, you know, blaming things on it. And um, if you want to know about my thoughts on that, I think I talk about it in a former episode about uh, taking responsibility for Mercury retrograde in your life. But, you know, the outer planets, so and Mercury is one of the inner planets, right? So it retrogrades uh, a few times a year in different signs. And um, the idea of behind a, a astrology transit is that it's highlighting something. It's asking you to heal something, grow something, discern something, plan something, um, intuit something, dream with something, imagine something, learn something, right? All these archetypes of the zodiac help us to kind of, you know, get an energy signature that helps us to focus our energy. And in this chaotic world where we can choose to focus on all sorts of things, sometimes I think astrology can, you know, anchor us in a way that helps us to see a larger perspective, bring anxiety down around getting it right, uh, because there's cycles in all of this. You know, there's not just one time that you get to deal and heal with, with these points in your life. It's constantly... There's constant new beginnings. There's constant shifts. And while it can feel overwhelming and you can take it to be this um, really uh, swirling um, idea, collectively, when we look at collectively, um, you know, how you show up for, for every day, like I said earlier, is really about your beliefs and your thoughts about your ability to transform this world that we're living in. And let's not forget that during the Industrial Revolution and during the Renaissance and during the Aztec civilization and during, uh, during the Clinton administration and during, uh, you know, uh, the Paris Revolution, uh, the French Revolution, and during there, all these things had epochs of time, generations of people who, who were um, aligned with energetic signatures in their charts together. And... Um, I listened to a recent podcast. I listened to a few astrology podcasts, one of them being Accessible Astrology by Eugene, Eugene, Eugenia Crock. Uh, apologies. And she's, you know, really focused on um, providing really accessible astrology from a psychoanalytical, a psycho, uh, you know, a, uh, uh, psychologist's uh, perspective, right? And, um, and which really resonates with me. Um, 
as kind of somebody who's always read and learned psychology, transpersonal psychology, but and psychotherapy, but has never, you know, uh, gone to school for it. I, I probably know enough to make it dangerous, I suppose. But, you know, I've also lived as a human being for it for this long <clears throat> so far, <laughs> raised some children or started to raise some children. And and seeing how these things play out are, is really interesting. Um, so collectively, again, so the outer planets, they move much slower, right, through the signs. So you'll find Saturn, um, you know, they say Saturn return. That means that it goes to the same place in the sky every 29 or so years, you know. And uh, so, you know, it roughly takes two to three years to get through each sign. Right now, Saturn is in Capricorn, okay? And Capricorn is the sign of structure. It's the bones anatomically of the zodiac. It is concerned chiefly with systems, building strong foundations, you know, so that you can scale up. So right now, with Saturn being there, it's really asking us as a generation, as this next couple of years, as a collective, human beings on the planet, to really focus on how foundationally we can rebuild things that are not working. And you can see this, you know, there are structures burning down. There are things that are being dismantled. You know, the patriarchy is being dismantled and it's happening in language and in action. And there's a fight on the other side to keep it in place, by the way, if you haven't been watching. There is a great deal of feeling of loss for many who are losing uh, the battle of keeping patriarchy alive, in my opinion. And of course, you know, we both think we're winning, quote unquote winning. Um, But the fact is, is that, you know, with patriarchy, uh, we've considerably uh, destroyed a lot of good things in our culture. And so by monoculturing and driving everything to production, we've realized, and I think right now Saturn and Capricorn is helping us to highlight, you know, what a real um, conscious foundation might look like for a new future that serves everyone. We're really concerned with serving everyone. How do we make an equal society and keep passion and art and humanness and goodness And um, how do we support uh, trade and money? And how do we support all of these systems? I won't even talk today about Uranus being in Taurus, but uh, which is the house of, you know, the sign of resource and money, land, property, all of that. Uranus is, you know, the wild card in a lot of ways, the rebel of the, the, the planets. And that's doing a whole nother thing, right? But today I want to talk about Saturn. Um, well, let's be let's back up. Today I really want to talk about Pluto, which goes retrograde today in Capricorn on Wednesday, uh, the twenty fourth, as I mentioned, two thousand nineteen. So Pluto and Saturn then are both in Capricorn. Okay, and they're retrograde. Now retrograde cycles have largely to do with the R E words. Okay, they really pick an R R e-word that you like. Uh, Review is a simple one. It's a time to review. It's a time to reallocate. It's a time to revive. Every time to re-systematize. Every time to regenerate. Every time to uh, 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 
re rebirth. Um, so a revolve, pick an RE word that resonates with you and, and think of that when you think of retrogrades. Okay. Retrograde is also an RE word, but it's really asking us, it just slows things down in a way, which of course is in my opinion, a welcome, a welcome, welcome guest in our house of, of wheels that are constantly turning and, and trying to produce something and trying to keep at a normal pace and at a steady pace and at a productive pace. Right. And so in that way, it feels like astrology can be this overall feminine signature it brings this subtle energy into the field of, you know, what does rest look like? You know, that's what retrogrades can give us is what does rest look like in, in these hard times of rebuilding structure. Okay. So, and Pluto is the planet that is associated with Scorpio, the sign of Scorpio. Okay. Uh, Pluto is really, um, the energetic signature of Pluto is transformation, right? It's associated with birth and, um, and rebirth. So the whole rebirth cycle, which is birth, growth, decay, death, and rebirth, right? It's the Phoenix, Okay, it's the snake shedding its skin. So Pluto uh, really does have this have this transformative energy, and while Capricorn is structure, these two things together mean transforming the foundational structure. At what point are we in that building a foundational journey? And this can be on a personal level and then as a collective as well. But I would say that it mirrors each other. So when we look at our collective stuff, the outer planets really do speak more to collectively because we're all going through it at the same time. And we may express it in our own lives in very, um, you know, meaning like insignificant to the whole collective way, right? We might reorganize our pantry or decide we're going to, um, throw out, uh, the idea of, uh, one use plastics, right? We might decide foundationally one use plastics don't serve me, myself or the collective. And so I'm going to decide now, which I actually have been, um, rooting that out of my life. I'm going to tell, you know, I'm going to, you know, I bought, you know, reusable straws, you know, cause my daughter is like infatuated with straws. She wants straws and everything. So we did paper straws for a while and I do still do those sometimes with um, events and stuff, but we have straws that we reuse. I haven't bought straws in almost a year and a half, which is amazing. Right. And that's just me. But if everybody decided to do that, how would this shift? How would this shift? Right. So you still, you always have to bring it back into your own and then notice that collectively this makes a big difference. So Pluto going into retrograde is, you know, it's a subtle shift. It's not like Mercury retrograde um, where, you know, there's a huge amount of things going on. But this this retrograde is a little um, significant in the way that it's 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 different than many. 
Okay, so Saturn is actually there with Pluto. So they are called conjunct. Okay, they're within a few degrees of each other right now going retrograde in Capricorn. Now, Saturn conjunct Pluto in Capricorn is also sitting with the south node. So nodes, nodes shift every couple of years as well. Okay, we just came out of a, um, uh, a Leo Sagittarius node. Oh, I'm sorry, Leo Aquarius node. And now we are in a Cancer Capricorn node. And the south node in general, in, in evolutionary astrology, um, is associated with karma and payback. So this retrograde Pluto conjunct Saturn in Capricorn is kind of collectively asking us a few things. And I'll get into that in a moment. But just let that simmer, okay? When you put the Saturn energy of structure with the transformative energy of Pluto in Capricorn, which is also about structural foundations... Okay, and, and, you know, and then you sit it with the south node, which is about karma and payback. What does that say to you energetically? This is what astrologers do is we, we fuse energies together and then, you know, talk about what we think that might mean. Using archetypal language to understand the meaning of our time, right? And find ways through the healing process. Now, I just want to say, you know, Pluto goes retrograde. It happens about five months out of every year. Okay, so this happens. It's regular. Okay, so Pluto going retrograde is not a quote-unquote big deal. Just like Mercury goes retrograde three or four times a year. It's not really a big deal. It happens all of the time. But when we start to see where it is, and then we can even look um, at where it is in our house system, in our chart, we might actually find even more meaning in how it's asking us to rebuild, okay, in this particular instance and transform that foundation, right? And how we're getting, you know, it's said, it's said during this Pluto retrograde, um, especially that you might get something back to you that's been owed to you that will serve the structure of your life. Um, and if you owe somebody else something, they'll come knocking, you know, and it'd be time to pay up. So, you know, it's the karma aspect of it, of that South node, right? So there's all these energies together. So I wrote down a few questions that I wanted to just offer as a way of reflecting on this Pluto retrograde. Now, again, this happens for about five months. So Pluto goes retrograde today, uh, the 24th of April at 25 degrees Capricorn. And it ends on October 3rd, 2019 at 20 degrees Capricorn. So it's only retrograding for five degrees. And again, it's conjunct Saturn, which means it's with Saturn in the sky in Capricorn again, which is the south node. Okay, right now. So I wrote these questions just as a way for you to perhaps journal whatever resonates, maybe, you know, really dig in and whatever doesn't seem to resonate, like leave it. It's cool. It's not for you. Right. But here's some questions. What has control over you? Okay. And I ask this partly because, you know, Pluto is really, um, 
concerned with transformation. So, you know, the transformative process is not usually something we get to control, right? There's all these adages about everything in its own time. Everything has a season or a reason, right, to be in our lives. The way we transform is often through struggle, right? It's not easy to break open as a seed and push through the dirt and sprout up and bloom. It's not easy. That transformation takes a lot of, you know, kind of um, uh, serendipitous beauty and magic, right? It takes the perfect temperature of soil and darkness and then it takes um, that spark of energy to push through and then it takes more water and you know there's a lot of there's a lot of places in the in that um, birth growth decay death and rebirth cycle where we get stunted and when we try to control the growth, we try to control the decay, we try to, you know, we Botox our faces <laughs> to control our aging skin, you know. And by the way, of course, keeping your skin healthy is really important. But to focus on um, and to put on a pedestal, one aspect of the growth cycle is really death. Right, because when you're not involved in this regeneration cycle, you miss the beauty of your life because there are billions of versions of you waiting to be born, and you get to choose what kind of human being you want to be. So again, what has control over you? Is it time? Is it your boss? Is it your schedule? Is it your to-do list? Is it your husband or your wife? Is it your, uh, you know, is it your shitty car? You know, what do you say that has control over you about how you show up in the world, right? And then here's another question. What do you feverishly try to control? What takes so much of your energy as you try to control it? You know, another question. Do you, how, do you lose your shit if you lose control? You know, all these little questions around control. Another one might be, do you have some kind of obsessive or compulsive habits that could be part of your need for control. You know, control doesn't always look like, a, you know, a, an action upon something else. It might be um, some of these habits we have that seek to control what we think will control an outcome, right? But everything's kind of an experiment and we don't necessarily get to control. We think, you know, it's, it's a lot like dieting, right? In, you know, calories in, I'm exercising, why am I not losing weight? Well, there's a lot of, of factors, okay? And so to control our minds, our thinking, all of these things, the word control, having that kind of stronghold on your life might be quelching some of the growth that could happen in a way that you might not be able to imagine if you were to surrender to the process of birth and growth and decay and death and rebirth, you know, allowing the things that no longer serve you to leave your life, even if you love them. And even when they've served you, even when at some point all you wanted was this thing, but now it's time for it to go. And I often use the uh, metaphor of, you know, a tree cycle or a deciduous plant cycle or any plant really, but deciduous trees do this best where, you know, when my cherry blossom tree blooms in pink flowers, I want that cycle to, to last forever. 
It is so gorgeous and so beautiful and so fleeting. And so I know as I have built this relationship with this tree in my yard every year to savor those times, to take its photo and its selfie, right? (laughs) Like really have, you know, and then when the leaves come, honor that beauty. And when the leaves fall and they're orange and red and yellow, you know, covering my lawn to honor that cycle. And by honoring that, I know that the spring is going to come again. It's going to, you know, if it held all the leaves, would it, would it bloom again? You know, when a, when a tree dies mid leafing, right in the middle of a leaf cycle, when a tree dies, if it stops being able to get the right nutrients and everything, the leaves just die and they hold on. You can't actually, you know, until it's really, really dead, you can't even pull those leaves off in many cases. They hold on. And this, to me, is a metaphor for where some of us kind of stay in a piece of our life because it's so great. This is where nostalgia comes from, right? Like feeling like you peaked in high school or college, feeling like you peaked at some point in your life and now there's nothing new. And don't forget you decided that. Okay. But so do you have these compulsive ways that you try to control or lose your shit around control or, you know, and, and are not welcoming in the, you know, I think, uh, journaling also on, I surrender to dot, 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 just going, I surrender to, right. And say all the things that you wish to surrender to. You know, this time of the moon cycle, we just had the full moon on the 19th, which was Friday of last week, and it was a full moon in Libra, and Libra is is the signature of, um, you know, relationships and balance, it's the scales, it really wants us to see the this and that, that are equal, right, so when we are chasing something, there's always another side to that coin, right? There's a shadow and a light. And the, the, the tools of being heart-centered and, and meditation that everyone's kind of preaching these days, because we have found the science that proves it serves our mind to meditate and to breathe, right? To go inside and build a rich inner life of imagination and confidence from the inside out, You know, science is finally proving that living from the inside out actually has a very um, uh, uh, positive impact on not just ourselves and our self-esteem, but those around us, because we get to be a model of what's possible regarding our self-mastery, right? And we're living from the inside out. But this sense that, that... going within and having um, these tools of saying, what do I surrender? You know, really going inside and understanding what it is that you can surrender to. What's happening in your life that you're holding on to? Is there a a version of you that you hold in such high self-esteem that you don't see the beauty of who you are now and who you will become? Your future self who's like, come on, it's okay. You know, get out on the dance floor right? Whatever that is for you, it shows up in so many ways. But I think collectively, as this Pluto retrograde happens, you know, 
we're going to come to grips with the fact that we made all of this up in the first place. We made up the money system and the institutions and the patriarchy and the gendered binary system. And we made all of that up in order to describe what was real for us at some point. And now is a time that we're letting so much of it go because we're recognizing how many are left out from that description, how many are left without voice, without power, without privilege, without resource. So Pluto wants to help (laughs) by calling you out on the deeply embedded destructive behavior that is holding you back from transforming or evolving your life forward. So pay attention to what comes up as this is initiated. Notice where your karma comes in, where it starts to feel like the Truman Show a little bit, like you can't make this shit up kind of coincidences, quote unquote. Because Pluto is here to help us transform, see the beauty of transformation And know that some things aren't for us forever. They were for us at one time. And we need to, with gratitude, allow those things to go. So that we make space for what's to come. Because there will be cherry blossoms next spring. And there'll be new ones. And they'll be just as beautiful, maybe even more so, right? That's this trusting in the, in, the, in the life process that we are all part of, which I think is magnanimous and beautiful when we can engage in that flow. Okay. I hope you have a wonderful week, a lovely Pluto retrograde, and I'll talk to you next Wednesday. you for listening. It's such a pleasure every week to spend time with you and I really appreciate you listening and being here. If you've enjoyed this podcast or benefited from it, please share it with your friends. If you'd like to know more or work with me, you can go to paintagoddess.com and find all of my free resources as well as how to book a reading with me. I work together astrology and tarot which has been a really illuminating process for my customers and clients and friends. And I would love to do a reading for you and see where we're at today. I also have a eight-week series tarot course coming up starting June 10th. I'm so excited to do this course. The students who have come in already are powerful and amazing, and I can't wait to discover all of the archetypes with them in community. We're doing an eight-week video course with live Q&As during the week, and there will be a lot of love and abundance in a community we're building online to support each other and read for each other as you become a unique-voiced reader for the tarot. If you're local to me, I live in the Pacific Northwest. I host monthly new moon circles with the Wild Woman Project, as well as do one-off events and series called The Healing House, 
where I invite you to take a day away in the middle of the week and come and be in community and circle away from everything and everyone who calls you ma'am, mama, or babe. (laughs) I hope that you'll uh, decide that one of these things might delight you. But if not, that's cool too. I'll see you next week.